There's nothing more thrilling than nailing an insurance company. And the truth shall set you free! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Great moments are born from great opportunity. All right, all right. Welcome back. We're back. Fisher with David, John, and Jordan, the On Justice podcast. It's been a little while, had a little hiatus, it's been kind of crazy around here, you know, uh, me taking over practice in the Virgin Islands and whatnot, but, you know, New Year, and, uh, you know, we're a little late, 60 days in, but that's when New Year resolutions really start, right? You know, the first couple months, you don't do anything. I think I think it's a good thing we don't have time to, we didn't have time to do one in January, because we're busy doing real legal work, got to prioritize our clients over this, but I am excited to be able to jump back in the mix, because it is overdue. There's a lot been happening in our practice, but there's a lot that's been happening just overall. I feel like over the past two, three months, uh, ChatGPT and OpenAI have been like dominating at least a lot of social media feeds, a lot of news outlets that I, you know, drop my ears to periodically. And um, it feels like the future is now, John. That's what it feels like. Well, I was going to say, we're going to have AI that's going to be basically doing all the work in our office, so we'll have plenty of time to do podcasts. Like, you know, we won't, there won't even be lawyers or, anymore. You know? Or maybe we'll just have AI do the podcast for us, if anyone will even know the difference. Yeah, and, and for those of you who don't know, obviously, so ChatGPT, um, artificial intelligence has really come out with some interesting things. Of It's like a self-learning, you know, and, and what we're seeing is it's learning how to talk, how to not just talk, but like mimic voices, like inflection. I mean, it's 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 kind of scary. I'm I mean, listen, I mean, I'm not a big, you know, um, proponent of AI uh, in the sense that, you know, I think it's a great thing. I think it could be a dangerous thing. Um, you know, don't be scared. John. <laughs> listen, don't be scared. The, the Matrix is real. I don't care what anybody says. I. I think it's if fantastic. I wake up if I wake up in a tube of goo with like shit plugged into me, I mean I'm, I'm here we are. That Do may I, be in another lifetime for us, thankfully. But for now, <laughs> I look I look at AI as the ability to augment what a lot of people are doing. I think I think inevitably it'll replace some tasks, but so like OpenAI in, in in particular, and I don't pretend to be an expert, but from what limited understanding I have. It's a natural language processing based AI model. So it's pretty common. You need you need to start with some corpus of knowledge for any kind of machine learning to teach itself from. And so they're feeding it things based on text that already exist. It's able to obviously understand through digesting that text a lot, a lot better and more comprehensively than maybe some humans can, regurgitating it in a meaningful way, interpreting it in a meaningful way. I don't think it's there all the way yet. But it's done some pretty remarkable things. It can write macro code for you, for you know people who are into coding. It can write web code, web code, Python code to make some scripts. I've seen people in the financial markets using OpenAI to write uh, trading scripts for cryptocurrencies and and stocks. So, I mean, there's a lot of like applications of it. But in in the practice of law, I think first and foremost, look, what are we doing at the end of the day? We're doing a lot of different things, but it all ties back to interpreting precedent which is in a body of law and the corpus of law is memorialized in text which means it lends itself to artificial intelligence reading it much faster than a human could be understanding it probably as good as a human can 
And that third leg of being able to interpret it and spit out opinion-based stuff, that's where it's not at currently, but I think we're getting there. There are some protections built in, I think, inherently for us. We have bar organizations, so I'm not worried about AI replacing lawyers just yet. I, I think it was, I don't know when it was, but it was in California, I believe. Somebody wanted to use artificial intelligence to mount a legal defense to a ticket or a citation. And um, if memory serves, it didn't come to pass primarily because, as you know, John, the unauthorized practice of law is not just a no-no ethically. For people through bar organizations, but it's a crime in most jurisdictions, a misdemeanor. And I don't think Florida is an exception. It might even be a third degree felony, depending on the circumstances. So I think because of that, that particular defendant in California didn't have the opportunity to use it. But I think we're kidding ourselves if we don't think that in the relative middle term here to long term, it's, it's not going to have tremendous uh, applications in our court system, even if for no other reason than making things operate more efficiently. You know, can, can I ask you something real quick? Cause I was just thinking about that. And for those of you who, cause I have the benefit of uh, screen notes in front of me, the individual that was Joshua Browder out in California. And he wanted to use both chat GPT and DaVinci was the two AI softwares, but can a computer be charged with unauthorized practice of law? Well, I don't think the computer can as much as the person who's using the computer. I mean, using so, the so, but if I'm a, say I'm a defendant, I'm gonna be like, all right, I'm defending myself, but I'm using ChatGPT, which is a computer program to defend me. Can I? Well, do I that? think you're getting into not you, but I mean, this gets into like in what capacity, right? So if a pro se defendant, this is just my where my mind goes. If a pro se defendant in a traffic citation decides on his or her own to use artificial intelligence to perform legal research and provide strategic input to themselves so that when they, the human being, walk into court without the benefit of that technology, they've got a game plan. I don't know that there's anything wrong with that. I think, candidly, ticket clinics and things like that uh, would be justifiably concerned because I think that's a meaningful application for the end user. Taking it that extra step, bringing it into court, having a computer advocate for you, I think is where in my mind, it would cross the line. I haven't delved into it from the ethics standpoint, but I mean, no different than a lot of crimes. It's you're, you're going to end up prosecuting the person who's using the tool. I mean, no different than a gun is a tool. AI is a tool. I mean, you don't prosecute the firearm. You prosecute the person who pulled the trigger. Mm, this is different though. This, because I think an individual is entitled to represent themselves. So they're technically practicing law. If I'm using software to help me, I don't think that's a crime. I, and I always think, and what's jumping out in my head is, I remember, remember the movie I, Robot when Will Smith, the guy killed another guy, and he goes, the state attorney charges, you know, murder is defined as one human being killing another. This is right. a robot. He's not a human being, so you can't be charged. Right. So let's, let's be real. There's going to have to be formal ethics opinions on this from a variety of state bar organizations. I don't think it's an accident that California happened to be the first place this was being used. A lot of that technology is probably being developed out there. Um, this is going to be one of these situations, in my opinion, where, you know, we always say the wheels of justice turn slow. Courts in general are notoriously, if not infamously, slow uh, to adopt new technology and, and see innovation. Like in fact, electronic filing, remember? we said Right, e-filing, and then it was Zoom-based. With two stamps you know. and a return envelope. Right, and, and I, I mean, I relocated. To to, I'm sorry. I just remember yeah. I used to have to go to court in Palm Beach and say, they're like, do you have your 
two uh, envelopes to mail it out at the hearing. It's like, bro, what are you fucking right. dinosaurs? I know. Well, and the now reality we, is yes. And the answer was yes. I mean, think about how it took a global pandemic to to have Zoom be considered like appropriate. Uh, before that, using court call, teleconference communication, which you had to pay for, was just I thought it was motion. terrible. And, and most judges were reluctant. They almost took it as a sign of disrespect if you refused to appear. Um, and I don't want to rehash that. I know we've talked about it. But the point I'm trying to make is some technologies and innovations, I think that the justice system can insulate itself from for much longer than a lot of industries, like finance, for example. This particular technological application of AI, I don't think the, the court system will have that same luxury. They might actually have to be on the forefront, maybe not necessarily of adoption, but on providing clarity. Because think about it, judges are going to are. I remember when cryptocurrency first came into the American consciousness, and I'm not talking about when CNBC started talking about it. I'm talking maybe eight, nine years ago. I was in a courtroom in Miami-Dade County. There was a money laundering charge, essentially, being prosecuted in state court. And the question was whether Bitcoin was money and a state court judge in Florida was being asked to rule on that. And I remember at the time, I think it might have been one of the first cases ever where such a challenge was there. Uh, we're going to have to have courts in define uses of artificial intelligence, what crosses lines and doesn't. There's a whole lot of statutes out there. There's a ton of regulatory frameworks out there in law, in finance, in education, right, in the media. I know Justin, when we were preparing for this, he had done some research. I mean, people are starting to use AI for what I'll refer to as like deep fakes, right? Uh, creating, you can create still images for sure. You can create that look like photography. You can create still imagery that looks like art or computer graphics. You can now go the next step and create moving images, like, Videos, yeah. like moving clips. And now you're getting to the point where people can mimic other people's voices. In fact, Justin was actually experimenting with a tool and I don't know how long he was doing it, but not that long relative to what I would expect. And within a couple of days, he was dropping a clip in uh, our communications of you and I. I played it for my wife and I was like, she was like, why did you say that? I, like you could tell she was off. Yeah. Like what, when did you say? It? And I was like, she's like, no, something's off. I was like, yeah, that's an AI. Jordan's like, burn it down quick. I was like, done. Delete. Right at, Get rid yeah, of it. Right this. out of the Terminator movie. No, thank you. So it was five minutes, might, by the way. It was five. It, we, we gave f five minutes of audio clips and it was able to recreate everything. Like basically right what we're doing now, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's alarming in, in that sense, if there's no governor, uh, and I mean by that, like a, a limitation on the ability of someone to misappropriate somebody else's likeness or voice. I think that's a legitimate concern. I mean, uh, we, can be, we can create like, like if we're able to literally simulate someone's voice. You, you know, because I remember we used to do like prank calls and you'd have like the Arnold board. You'd be like, who are you? Yes. You like I remember click the that, button. That and, famous and that, soundboard. Right. Who are like you? E bombs world. Yeah. I, yeah. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Who is your daddy yeah. and what does he do? And like they would, that's what we did in prank calls. Now you, like, I, I remember what's his name? Um, God, I can't even think of his name. Elon Musk was talking and like was able to, on OpenAI, like take his voice and was he was Morgan Freeman and he was all these other people and right. it literally just talking into a mic came out like Morgan Freeman. So now, I mean, the potential I feel for individuals to do bad things 
I mean, think about it. If you get your information hacked, they now, if they can simulate your voice somehow by listening oh, on a phone call, can I call mean, into the is... bank like, hey, I need you to change this real quick. Like, can you yeah. my, update my account? And they're going to start, I just think... So the idea. I read a I read a really interesting article. I Justin, I wish maybe you can find it now and we could put it in the show notes. And if not, it's if you Google it, I'm sure you'll find it. There was somebody in Silicon Valley, a young guy. I think he might have been still in graduate studies, who changed everything around, and he developed in pretty short order um, an artificial intelligence identifier, for lack of a better word, like putting watermarks on things that are likely to be uh, the origins of which are likely to be from OpenAI to protect professors and teachers who have to grade papers because their fear of students cheating, right? It used to be plagiarism. Now it's AIism. And how do you identify that? And he came up with something in pretty short order that was able to identify, it sounded like from the report, pretty successfully things that are coming from artificial intelligence. To your point, John, banks, financial institutions, they're going to need this kind of stuff yeah. because the days of just, oh, I see a signature or I have the benefit of a photograph or even a voice identification. I know there are some vendors that use voice ID. Um, it's my very, very troubling. My, say it, my voice is my password. Right, that, that I, stuff. I, I have that right now. It's my voice is my password in my bank. And, yeah. you know. Don't say that too many times. Somebody could be out here using AI to train it. I'm just kidding. My voice is my password. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know if Justin, do you have the ability to pull up one of the clips? Uh, you can, you can play mine. I don't, I'm not as paranoid as Jordan, but. So, oh, well, hold on. So, all right. So, Justin, see if you can pull up that clip that's got just one of me just talking that was AI created after five minutes. All right. Here's another installment of the most ridiculous lawsuit. That was that's actually that was a real voice. That was, Oof, now, now, that was awfully that, close. Was Crisis like, averted. Oh, man. No, 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 no. Justice right. will be served and the battle will rage. Yellow cab, gypsy cab. Yellow cab. Uh, We're going to try to find them. <laughs> All right. Obviously, we're, we're, that's fine. We don't need to worry about it. But The point yeah. is, it's creepy. I mean, Welcome back. Very... All right, so we'll cut that out. Yeah. Well, well, listen, we can't pull that up for everyone in there, but, but the point is, is... I've listened to it and I heard it and you know it's it's kind of you know you, you can see some small changes but it's not that much I mean it's kind of scary you know So I imagine I imagine but I can't be certain that there was a time in the practice of law when the very idea of using online research through Westlaw and LexisNexis was probably viewed as a no-no like even if not from a capability standpoint. It's like, this is weird. Is it, can you trust it? I don't have it in a book in front of me from a publisher. I wasn't around back then, but I really believe some people were resistant. I view this, it's, it's different, but it's of the same ilk in that it's a technology that I think the people who are reluctant to embrace it will be left in the in, in the past. If for no other reason, excuse me, if in no other way, other than efficiencies, um, I imagine artificial intelligence will first become most beneficial to paralegals and legal assistants. People who are asked to do repetitive tasks that are slightly different and nuanced in each different case, but the need to repeat these tasks can be greatly sped up and made more efficient with the benefit of 
machine learning if we can train them to do these things. And I, I would imagine that there's companies probably working on that now. That's the kind of thing that I would welcome. I don't, I don't look at anything yet as being replaceable for what we do because there's so much strategic decision-making that goes into almost every decision we make that I find it hard to believe we could trust a machine to get things right. I remember seeing on LinkedIn from somebody I went to law school with, Justin Wales, I believe he's currently the head of legal at crypto.com for the Americas. Super bright guy, obviously has accomplished an awful lot in a relatively short legal career. I remember he posted something on LinkedIn, I believe right when ChatGPT was kind of coming out in the news. And he said, hey, this tool is incredible because I asked it to find a case on cryptocurrency and it cited this case, all these quote unquote excerpts from what the case held He's like, and it was remarkably helpful. Unfortunately, that case doesn't actually exist. And if you didn't know better and know how to double check, you might be easily fooled to think that this random, I think it was like a make-believe appellate court decision out of a California state court. It didn't even exist. But having read the LinkedIn post and what he quoted, I remember being like, oh, that's an interesting case until I got to the end where he gave me the takeaway. This is fake. So we're going to have to be really careful and, and crawl before we run. But I don't think we can just put our blinders on and pretend that machine learning, natural language processing, and artificial intelligence are going anywhere. We're just going to have to find as an industry where they belong. Let me tell you some benefits I see here. I would love the insurance industry to start using artificial intelligence, probably before the plaintiff side of the bar, to become more efficient and more fair in uh, claims handling and evaluations. I know adjusters are all human beings and they let's just give them the benefit of the doubt they do their best at their level of awareness but it's a fucking slow crawl and i know that there's a lot to be said about whether delay and time inures to the benefit of insurers but i do think at the end of the day insurance companies or corporations they're profit driven and if they can find a way to squeeze a profit out of making the adjusting process automated or as close to it as possible then i, I do think they'll be some of the first to adopt it i mean we already know they were using colossus right state farm going back, what, 10, 15 years, maybe longer, I don't know. If they were willing to use Colossus way back when, I would venture to say they're going to be the, one of the first uh, industries to adopt this. And I do perceive a benefit because I think there's limitations on humans for seeing the true value of a claim because they're worried about a boss. And I, I don't think a machine would be worried about a boss. They would just give the honest uh opinion because yeah, you remember ai just being like pay 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 more pay or even just for setting you know john like i do even setting reserves things that we're never going right. to be privy to necessarily but just telling an insurer don't set the reserves at 10 grand set them at 750 grand now we'll negotiate as low as you want that kind of thing but you know make sure that the money is available i, I can just see some potential benefits there that ultimately help our clients help help us do what we do. But well, we, we actually today we did a we posted a job uh, post for a job or student like social media interns, and we used AI for the job description. Sure, you know, and and it spit out something really great. And you know, we did. I asked um, you know in ChatGPT to say like, look, I want to add do this this particular opening statement or you know argument to be made about this particular set of facts, and it actually gave me. Some pretty good stuff. Stuff that I was like, wow, where are you getting this from? You know, in terms right. and 
you know, am I going to have or use AI? Be like, look, I want to cross-examine this guy. Uh, here's what I got. Give me some questions of what I should ask for. Maybe, you know, just to play around and see what happens. And Well, here, let's be real. What's what's the two things I do a lot, a lot. I go into Westlaw and I'm looking for an answer to a legal question that I have, okay? And right now, no matter how powerful uh, Westlaw Next is, and it's very powerful, it's really gotten really good. I still have to be the one to do the query in a way that's going to yield the results, right? I still have to, whether it's using Boolean connectors or anything else, like I can't just really, it's not quite there for natural language. It's getting there. Like if I type in what are the elements of negligence, it'll give me in the top four results, perfect case per, perfect cases on that. But that's a pretty basic one-on-one thing. When you get more complicated, it's not good at natural language. I'm hoping Thomson Reuters is trying to implement this technology so that lawyers can go to Westlaw and with a very high degree of confidence using very natural language, being like, I need cases that support the following proposition and give me a list that's right on point, save me hours of combing through things that are irrelevant, but use the same words, right? That's kind of stuff I wanna see. And I, I think Thompson Reuters will be there. And to your point about experts, I'm on listservs now, just like you, professional listservs. How many times have you seen this fucking question? Does anybody have any impeachment materials on, you know, expert Smith? And you see it 15 times a year, and there's a random smattering of responses, and who can share what? It's bullshit, it's inefficient, and it's stupid. There's going to inevitably be a repository of every transcript from every court proceeding that's a public record. I would love, I think that's perfect for machine learning and NLP to come in there, review them and be able to identify speakers and quickly give you a bulleted list of like, this is typically what they say. I see no harm in that. That's just doing what we already want to do, but more efficient. So, you know, I don't want to run from this. I want to embrace it. I'd like to be an early adopter to the extent we can. Um, but, you know, we're reliant on some third parties like the Thomson Reuters of the world to make these things happen or other data aggregators, you know, but like public records, finding accurate, I don't know, man. I just think there's a lot of benefits to make us more efficient. And I think that helps our clients at the end of the day, because I would love, I would love a day where discovery doesn't have to take nine to 12 months. It can take two months, three months, because there's just not time to be wasted, you know? Well, that's always going to take nine months to 12 months. We have defense lawyers. Well, AI, AI, unless they replace that. But John... No. Unlike us, defense lawyers get paid by the hour. And unless they're going to blow up their billing model, which inherently provides a benefit to people who delay and are inefficient, I don't care what anybody says, that's by default, that's what the model is. Correct. Uh, you're Correct. punished if you're efficient, actually. Like I know people, and I'm not going to name drop, I know people I speak with that are on the defense side that say it sucks because I'm really good at my job and efficient and I'm sharp at researching that I could bill 0.4 for this project. But I know everybody else in my firm is probably billing 2.6. So am I going to now look like a fool because I'm only billing 0.4 true time, right? So whatever, AI could come in and, hey, I need to look, insurance companies are paying insure, insurance defense lawyers. That's what's happening. If I'm an insurance company, and again, profit is the bottom line here, uh, legal bills are no longer going to be tolerated for you know these inflated research jobs and things if AI is in existence, right? Even if Westlaw just becomes more efficient. So I just think that there's some ways people can't, they can't manufacture delay sooner, sooner or later. We're not there yet, but it's around the corner and boy, am I excited to see it.
Because can, can I about, ask you to, can, can I ask you something yeah. real quick? Because I, I, I just from my personal, when you use Westlaw, do you like type in like words within certain numbers of sentences and all that shit? Like within the oh, same yeah. par- within paragraph, God. within sentence. I don't do any of that. All I do is natural language now. So I was well, just, it, it's I, gotten. I, was, I don't know that I have to do it that way anymore. Mm, I'm just no, nah, you do because sometimes I'm not getting what I need, and then I see you be like, "Look at this case I found directly on point in this Southern District of Mississippi." I'm like, "What? Where did you find this?" And that's because you you do the more stuff, and so hopefully it does have that. Shout out to Robin, the legal library at the University of Miami, if she's still there. That's who taught me everything I know about. Well, the I thought we 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 had to go through the books when I was there, so we did learn how to shepherdize through books, and you know, just in case the internet collapses and we no longer have computers like you know the society is over because everything is now technologically based but we would still be able to go look at the books in Miami in the darkness because there probably wouldn't have to be no electricity but we learned those skills you know we were trained I think I was like one of the last classes where they forced us to do God, I was like why am I looking through books I was like I was a law clerk for Mark Iglars helping him draft a motion to suppress I went to the books but I don't think I had to was the judge, who was the judge that used to come? Was it Judge Schwartz from 3rd DCA that would come and be in the stacks looking yes. through books and researching? Yep. I mean, he was old school. Well, he was a brilliant legal mind that he could get it done with printed books. I mean, but, you know, speaking of judges, by the way, let's talk about another potential benefit of the implementation of uh, machine learning and natural language processing. Uh, I think for the past two years or so, it might be longer. Time flies. I don't know. But. Westlaw, because that's who we use. So Westlaw has had this uh, litigation analytics uh, subset. So it's put aside legal research, but it's like you can look up a judge or a defense lawyer and in theory, get a profile or a snapshot of the cases they're involved with, their active dockets, case types, whatever. Right now, I'll be honest, it's a cool idea, but it's not really functional in my opinion. The utility of it is not there. But if every public, if every lawsuit is a matter of public record, save for a few things that are held under confidentiality orders or something, boy, oh boy, I would love to get to the place where you want to talk about natural language. I want to be like, hey, uh, can I see every ruling that Judge Smith has had on this legal issue in the last 10 years? Man, I'd love to see that. You know, I'd love to see that. So when I'm writing, I get a better idea of how my audience views mm-hmm. certain arguments. That's only going to benefit my clients. So like, these are the kinds of things. It's not replacing anything. It's either filling needs that already exist or making uh, current tasks more efficient and more robust. And, and these are the kind of things I think are going to raise our level of advocacy. If I say if, because you got to be on board with it. Well, you know, if, you if you're resistant to it, you're just going to be left behind, man. You know? Brad Pitt said it best in Moneyball, evolve or die. And, That's and, right. And I think we've said it before, but I mean, it's true. It, like, you know, I, I was watching a video. There was a clip. It was like Gary Vee talking about, like, look, is AI going to come in and may it replace jobs with repetitive tasks? And the answer is yes. Right? I think that's going to happen throughout history. Right? And Gary, he gave the example to say, look, people used to farm by hand, and then they invented the tractor. Right? And so they don't farm by hand anymore. They use tractors and combines, and that's it. I mean, that's how, like, as technology done, it, it creates efficiency and replaces jobs. That's yeah. probably going to happen happen in the in the legal market with the application of AI as it gets better. You know, do I think it's going to replace everyone? No, but I think you have to embrace. You know, we we had Mitch on the show. We talked about various things in the metaverse and all that as well. And and I think with all of this technological advances, you got to be able to appreciate it, find creative ways to use it, 
and make your business more efficient. And I think that's a win around the ball. You know, I, I, I think if you're, if you think your job or you're like, you know, I don't know, I, I think you can read and review contracts and do that kind of stuff. And, and to me, I still think you would want to check that. But if it gets to the point that it can understand and know what a lawyer does, I think a lot of that transactional stuff, you know, companies like, to, to Jordan's point, may not want to pay you 10 hours to look at something that AI spits out in five minutes and then you spend an hour reviewing what the AI found. You know, that, and, and so I think for trial lawyers like us, we may, I don't think we're getting replaced ever, you know, because I think being a trial lawyer is not just so much about having natural language. It's about connecting with people, doing all of those things. And I don't think a computer is going to do that yet. So I'm with you. Everything you just said is fully in line with how I view this, but I've had conversations in private with some people um, for better or for worse. And I understand we're talking about constitutional rights here, but you know, we all agree to mediation. I mean, agree is a relative term. We do it reluctantly at times. Many times we're forced into or agree to arbitration. That's not too far off from having a juror decide a dispute either. Now, I am fully aware and I will acknowledge that when I walk into a courtroom, my objective is to win for my client so long as I can stay within the law and the ethics and do it through effective advocacy. That's my objective. And anybody who tells you otherwise is either lying to themselves or the audience they're telling that to. My objective is to win. And if that means that jurors find my argument more persuasive or find me more uh, likable and the verdict is more or closer to a jury nullification kind of thing where they don't really care for the law or the facts or the evidence, but they're going to go my client's way. I don't know that uh, I see any problem with that. However, one of the reasons we take so long to get to trial, which is the biggest problem I see for our clients, which is delayed access to justice, is because of the massive inconvenience that jury duty is. And by the way, it's critically important. It's in the Constitution for a reason. And I think everybody who's been through the process after the fact realizes, hey, you know what? I'm glad I did it. But there's a massive resistance to people wanting to show up, right? If technology can get to the point where it can substitute judgment similar to the average person in a community, which is a subjective thing, and I'm not suggesting it can get there, it's an interesting argument to know can parties agree? I'm not saying we would ever replace, but can parties agree? No different than mediation and arbitration. Can they agree to have their dispute heard at a trial with AI as a juror and to live with that outcome? And I'll be totally frank with you. I believe that will happen within the next five years. I really, in my heart, believe it. There's a lot of commercial disputes, things that are highly technical in nature that I'm willing to bet both sides to those disputes maybe it's a copyright or patent thing, that both sides of those disputes are probably always a little fearful or hesitant walking in because, right, you have to educate jurors on all these technical things before you then ask to convince them on something. Mm -hmm. If there is a technology that better understands those the things that underlie a dispute more than the average person from our community, and you can save that time and just walk in and say, look, here are the facts. You Here is the law. What do you think is right? I'm telling you, I really believe in my heart in five years or less, you're going to have parties agreeing to do that, probably instead of mediation, probably instead of arbitration, or it'll be put under that umbrella. Now, I don't know if personal injury and wrongful death will get there, and I certainly don't expect criminal to ever get there. I really don't. Maybe traffic tickets and stuff. But 
There's a lot of other disputes that clog up our court systems. I mean, John, foreclosures, things that don't even have jurors. Uh, I'm not suggesting judges should be automatons. I think they're given discretion under the law for a reason. But I mean, are, are we just lying to ourselves if we don't think that certain things like I'm picking this out of a hat, but, you know, a foreclosure, uh, a financial judgment, like a debtor issue, uh, these things might be able to help judges, if not replace them in certain situations, if, if parties agree and you just kind of live with the outcome. So I'm excited to see where it goes. I just think, you know, and I've talked to people who are resistant or like, yeah, I heard about it, but I brush it off. I worry for those people. I worry for those people because I don't think they'll be around in five, 10 years. Uh, because yeah, if you're not going to ride the wave, it'll yeah. drown. You'll drown. I mean, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of a, as it goes. I mean, I mean, gosh, even five years ago, I mean, a lot of things are different. You know, for oh, us it's hard to believe. I mean, dude, I mean, listen. There's also cool things about artificial intelligence, and I totally acknowledge that this is makes a lot of people uncomfortable. And I think I I really believe in my heart. I understand why, but. Let me give you a real life example. Robin Williams was, I'm a huge comic uh, supporter. Stand-up comedy is easily my favorite form of entertainment. And in the course of my life, I've seen almost every one of the comics that I really admire. Robin Williams was always very high on my list. And when I lived in South Florida many years ago, Robin Williams was finally touring again. I had tickets to one of his shows in Fort Lauderdale. It got canceled. They rescheduled it and I said, oh, it's like inconvenient. I'll catch him on the next tour. And then he tragically passed away. So I never had a chance to see him live. Now I could put on, for example, his stand up when he's on Broadway from like 2000 and it still holds good today and I love it. But if there's a way that his family or the people who have his interests uh, for, you know, his uh, bibliography, for lack of a better term, his library of, of work, if there's a way for AI to learn how to speak like Robin Williams and project an image of Robin Williams. Uh, I heard this on the, I think Joe Rogan's podcast or a clip of it online. They can mimic people. You could say, write me a joke in the style of Joe Rogan or the style of whomever. If you can put all these things together and you're telling me you can deliver me another standup from Robin Williams in a couple of years, I know going into it, no different than the Michael Jackson experience in Vegas. I think they do it holographically, mm -hmm. but if you could tell me I could see and hear Robin Williams in the future, I'm going to buy that ticket whatever it is, that webcast ticket, I'm going to do it. Um, how about things like Johnny Cochran? I never got to see him try a case. But if you're telling me because of courtroom television, you have his voice, you have the way he argues, maybe you have colleagues who can give briefs he's written, I don't know. And if you're telling me in one day, although I know it's make-believe, that uh, without compromising his likeness or the people who have the rights to that, but that that they can agree to, to let me see a trial that Johnny Cochran puts on or Clarence Darrow, I mean, these are the men to see for me, and I never would have a chance to do that. So these are the things that I think for me, I'm I'm comfortable saying that I'm excited for that stuff, as long as there's appropriate restrictions, limitations, and considerations for the people who have those interests. Yeah, I think that with everything that how much we put in social media and on the earth, I think you could really digitally recreate somebody, you know. I mean, they look and speak in their entire lives or online video, TikTok and all that kind of stuff. I think they really can be recreated digitally. You know, you see mannerisms, yeah. you see actions, you see voice, you see hand movements, you all of those things. So that's going to see, um, you know, we know social media sells all the data. So, you know, I don't know. You know, it's it's a it's a can great we, if time. If we can acknowledge, 
Pandora's box is open. That's, I guess, what I'm trying to say. I think we need to acknowledge that the box is open. And I think as the mythology goes, it's not getting closed. So that could be scary. That can be good. I'm choosing to be optimistic, cautiously optimistic about it. Obviously, it's going to be rife of misuse. And um, that'll be a challenge for all these different regulatory frameworks to to rein in. But I, I hope that there's a lot more good that comes from it than bad. You know, All, all I know is that we were the ones that scorched the skies. So... The, you know, uh, on that note, I think that's a good a, a good <laughs> a good note to end. So, go ahead. No, I was going to say. So we're going to try and get back to doing two episodes a month. That's a that's a goal. It's an, it's something we aspire to do. And uh, so hopefully, you guys, thank you for being patient for those who have been longtime listeners and rode through this little uh, downtime. And for those new listeners, thanks for joining in. And we're going to do our best to expand, just like we did today with artificial intelligence. We're always going to fall back on the law, but we're going to try and broaden our horizons a bit. John and I have a ton of interest way outside the law, and I think it would be uh, a value for us to share our views and opinions on some of that stuff. So we're going to we're going to try and do that moving forward as well. And in talking to Justin today, I'm excited to say I think we're going to get back to trying to have on more guests so that we can bring in different viewpoints, different experts, and and shed some light on some issues that you know you and I have uh, some limitations on. So. There's nothing more thrilling than nailing an insurance company. And the truth shall set you free! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Great moments are born in great opportunity.